Well, you're ready for the word this morning. How many got your Bibles? How many got your notepads, your apps open, ready to go? Amen. All right. I want you to get ready to turn to Proverbs chapter one and verse seven. We're still in the series called wisdom for dummies. And, uh, you and I really need this. Amen. And what is Proverbs? It's, it's, it's going through some of the themes in the book of Proverbs. I'm going to hit one that probably you've never paid attention to, even if you read the book of Proverbs. And I'm going to hit on one today, but the, the truth of Proverbs, the word of God, is that it's to acquire and then learn how to apply God's wisdom to every one of your decisions and your daily activities. To always bringing that. How many have been, how many have been trying to read a chapter of Proverbs every day? Okay, so you should be on Proverbs 2 today. Amen? Proverbs 2. So every day, Proverbs 1 the first day, Proverbs 2, Proverbs 3. Okay, so just keep hitting that and let the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit speak to me. And why do we want to go to this? Because Proverbs 1, 7 says this. Come on, let's, let's read it out loud together, everybody. If you don't have it memorized, just look up on the screen. You ready? The fear of the Lord is the foundation of true knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. This is the word of God. Can somebody say amen? So I always kind of want to retract this every so often because it's very, very critical and important that when you read that scripture, the rest of it will not work until you get that, that verse in there, that, that verse seven. You've got to understand that the rest you will never, you will ignore if you don't get that one. So we discovered what the fear of the Lord is. We said, the fear of the Lord is my reverent awe of God's holiness and love, whereby I surrender every area of my life to him. And I'm not going to unpack that today, but if you're just starting with us, whether you're online or you're here, go listen to the beginning of the series. You need to unpack that, okay? But why do people not receive the wisdom of God or the holiness or the, why do they reject it? Because we discovered pride is the problem. It's the root of sin. Pride is the root of every sin in my life. And what does pride do? Pride puts two things in the wrong place. It puts you in the wrong place and it puts God in the wrong place. It's where God is number two, I'm number one. And the way I know that I've made God number two and not number one and Sam's number one is when my decisions go contrary to what the wisdom of God says. Then I'm worshiping Sam. Sam has made himself God. That's always been the thing. You'll be like a God is what Satan said to Eve. You'll be like God. That's all what we're, that's what, that's what, that's the problem with humanity right there. And then we started discovering that then when we get rid of that pride, lay it down, make God number one, then we truly get wisdom. We get wisdom. Proverbs 4, 7. He said, getting wisdom is the wisest thing you can do. How many smart people we got around here? Come on. Amen. We're getting wisdom of God. And whatever else you do, develop good judgment. So then when you develop that good judgment, Pastor Kerry covered, you'll have judgment in the people who speak into your life as friends. You will not allow your soul, your spirit, your mind, your thinking to be a doormat for people to wipe everything they've attached to the bottom of their soul, S-O-U-L, and wipe it on you, and now you're a carrier of everything that they carried around. Be wise in the friendships that you have. And I'm not just talking to people who don't know Jesus. I'm talking to some believers. Some of us are attaching ourselves to some, even people who claim to be believers that are dragging you down. Be wise. Amen. 
So now today I want to hit this theme, and it's on this word, contentment. And when I get into this teaching, you're going to go, what does that have to do with contentment? But just take the journey with me as I just kind of make this end around as the Holy Spirit has just kind of revealed something to me about Sam Reifkogel as a Jesus follower learning to be content with what God has given me. Contentment. So I'm going to take you to a place up in Proverbs. It's Proverbs chapter 30. And it's this guy by the name of Agur. He's this, we don't know much about him. He's the son of Jacob, but he, we don't know a whole lot about him. But the Holy Spirit used this guy, Agur, and I didn't pay much attention to him. And then I noticed something that he did in verse 7 and 9 of chapter 30. He prays a two-verse prayer. In fact, it is the only prayer in the entire book of Proverbs. Now, there's been a lot of things people give in wisdom, but this was a prayer of Agur. And I thought, man, if he's praying, it's the only prayer in the whole book of Proverbs. How many think we ought to pay attention to what he's asking God for? And I started looking at this. And here it is, Proverbs 30, verse 7 and 9. He said, two things I ask of you, Lord, do not refuse me before I die. Okay, I know you got a bucket list to go on the Serengeti on a big safari. You got a bucket list that you want to do uh, one crazy extreme sport. Let me just tell you, this is what you need to put on your bucket list. This was his bucket list. There's two things I'm asking. Here it is. Keep falsehood and lies far from me. And then look what he says. Give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. And then he says, otherwise, I may have too much and disown you and say, who's the Lord? Who's the Lord? I'll disown you. I'll say, I produce this. I'm the smart guy. I'm the one that made the investment. I'm the smart lady. I did this. I'm the one that runs this corporation. I think I'll have too much and I'll disown you and say, who's the Lord? Or, or I may become poor, steal, lie on my IRS return. Oh, that's not in there. Excuse me. Keep coming in 10 minutes late. Leave 10 minutes early from the, oh, that, that's, oh, excuse me. That's not in there. But maybe it is stealing. Or may I become poor and steal and so dishonor the name of the Lord. So when I read this, I'm going, wait a minute, we're Americans. Grab the brass ring, man. You've got to go to your full potential. Absolutely. Can somebody say amen to that? That's a weak amen. Come on, go for your potential, please. All right. All right. We want you to graduate summa cum laude, not summa cum crud, okay? We want you to be at the top. But what is he doing? What is Agur saying, and why is this the only prayer that's recorded in Proverbs, and what he's saying? Let me tell you what the cry of this man's heart was. He obviously was a leader. He was also well-known, respected. He probably had wealth. He probably had a lot of things. We don't know, but here's his cry. He's saying, Lord... I got to have your help with anything that comes into my life. And God, here's the deal. I don't know how to find the balance. 
So I'm going to defer to you and your wisdom to find that balance so I avoid extremes and it takes me into sin and dishonoring you. So he's saying, God, here's the deal. I don't even know how much is too much or how much is too little, but you do. So would you please help me, God, to constantly go to you with every blessing, favor, even the breath I breathe, bring it into you because you're the ones that's smarter than me. Help me to trust you, and there I will find the contentment in your choices of what you give me. So, so let, me just, let me just help you with this a little bit. This is really cool. I started looking at this, and I'm going, he's going, God, I'm going to trust you. And then, and then if you look at how many have read, how many have read Proverbs 30? How many have read it? Okay, did you read it? And then he starts getting all this stuff. This is really, really, really good. He starts getting in verse four. He goes, he starts talking about the creation. Before this prayer, he gets in the creation. He goes, okay, who is God? He asks these rhetorical questions is what he asks. Who's one that goes up from heaven and comes to earth? Who's the one that holds the wind in his own hand and releases it when he wants to? Who's the one that carries all the oceans of the world, the earth, into his cloak? Who's the one that established the ends of the earth? He says, who created all this? So he's talking about the one who is in control and manages all of this. He's saying, who is he? And I got to thinking about that. He's looking at the scope of the universe. Let's just take the sun, for, for instance. I mean, just think about the sun for a minute. I mean, here's this nuclear fusion reaction that is occurring right now, right now, right now on the sun. Explosions. It's releasing this nuclear fusion Reaction is releasing energy that warms our earth. Not too much, not too little. I don't, I don't want to get too much of it because right now those reactions are producing such energy that the explosions on the surface of the earth are they're like an equivalent of a 91.92 TNT explosion happening every second. Now what it does is producing 10,304 degrees of heat. So before you start saying, it's so humid, it's so hot, it's too cold, button it up, please. Because let me just tell you something. The reason why we're not getting torched and vaporized right now, the reason we don't all freeze and die where there's no life to be sustained is because the earth is 94,505 miles away from the sun. Not too hot. Not too cold, we don't die, and all, every, all the vegetation and life dies. It all doesn't burn up. We're just in the right, astronomers call this the Goldilocks zone. That's what they call it. Not too soft, not too hard. It's just right. And, and we, listen, that's why the Bible says, the fool says there is no God. Now you think about this. He's looking at the earth. <clears throat> He's looking at all the universe. And he's saying, we're not burning up. We're not freezing. You control all these things so that we live in the just right. So God, if that's who you are, then I'm going to quit my whining and my belly aching about what I don't have and what I do have, what I've lost and what I've gained. 
Because God, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to put everything in your rest that I'm not too close, that it tortures me and destroys me, or I have too little that it tortures and destroys me. God, I'm going to defer to you to put me in the right place at the right time to be blessed by you, and I'm going to live content in that. Oh, can somebody say amen? Because <clears throat> you say, well, why do we need this message? Because we're not content. We are not content. I'm telling you, our culture's not content. I'm telling you, I'm watching this culture sometimes. My goodness. Oh, it just shocks me. And then I thought, oh no, it's happening to me. I mean, we get to the place where we get all we can, can all we get, then hide the can. Then when everybody hides their can, they're not satisfied with their can. So then they want your can when they can work their can off to get what they can to see the blessings of God, not only to bless them, but to help those who truly can't. Please don't make me say that over. I don't even know how that came out. But we live in that place where, I, and then we start belly aching to God. Too much, too little. He took something away from us, or he gave something to me I don't like. He says, God, you're the one in control of this. Help me to recognize this. If you're controlling the sun, then you can manage me, and I think you'll do better than I can manage me. Whew. My goodness, we're losing contentment, you know? Really, who's more content? The guy with seven million dollars or the guy with seven children? Who's more content? The guy with seven children because he don't want any more. <laughs> Selah. Did I get it right? Come on. My, my dad, we had seven kids in my family. Buddy, they were done. They were done. They were done. I don't know how they knew they were done, but they were done. So, pastor, how do I do this? How do I make this work? How do I manage this? How do I steward this? Because you and I are geared and wired by God to go after things and pursue our highest potential in God, but you got to let God manage it and don't bellyache when you do have it or you don't have it. Oh my. So how do I get there? You ready for this? Now I told you I'm going to kind of go around the block, but I will get into the driveway. All right. The first thing you have to do is you have to hunger for truth. Can you say that with me? Hunger for truth. Way up there in the back. Let's say it together. Ready everybody? Hunger for truth. Now, let me put this story this way. This is when I Looking at this, this is, what I, this is what the Holy Spirit just kind of shows me. When, when I hunger for God's truth, now you got to get the right truth. It may be true, but it may not be truth. When you hunger for God's truth, you will properly handle God's treasures. And I'm not just talking about money. I'm talking about your popularity on TikTok. I'm talking about your sales quota. I'm talking about your kid's performance in school. If you will properly, if you will hunger for God's truth and wisdom, Agur is saying, I'll show you where he's saying it, then I can handle anything God gives me, and he knows just the right amount to give and just the amount right amount not to give. And then I can handle every other arena of my life and apply that wisdom to it. Does that make sense, everybody? Okay, so look what he says. 
He says, you're the ultimate truth and not me. You're the ultimate wisdom, not me. Look at Proverbs chapter 30 and verse 8. He says, keep me. Now watch, look what he says. Before he's talking about money, treasures, he's talking about truth. He says, keep me from what? Can you say the word? From falsehood and lies far from me. Now I want you to see this, what he says. I, this guy is funny because I want you to see, this is really good. Proverbs 30, verse 1, I want you to see what he says. He's, he's telling God this. He said, I am weary, O God. I am weary and worn out, O God. <laughs> I am too stupid to be human. <laughs> and I lack common sense. I have not mastered human wisdom, nor do I know the Holy One. Yet his words are recorded in the Word of God. And he says, I haven't mastered it. And he says, I mean, it's funny. I mean, it's really funny. I like this guy. He says, I'm too stupid to be human. I think I'm going to make a t-shirt that says, I'm too stupid to be human. Maybe I'd be too embarrassed to wear it, but so I'll get you one that says, I'm with too stupid to be human. You know, the finger pointing next to him. <clears throat> what he's doing here is he's bringing himself so, he's not, he is not trying to say I'm a worthless woman, I'm a, uh, you know, no, I'm a simpleton. What he is saying is, Lord, I bring myself in humility down so low that he says, what I'm going to do is I'm tired of living my life with me being the ruler and me being CEO of the universe. You created it. Look at the sun. Look at the earth. So now I'm going to say you're the wisest one, so I'm going to defer to your wisdom. So keep every other lie away from me and give me the truth to apply this situation in every situation of my life to. Does that make sense? Because I'm going to tell you something right now, folks. How many you know in our culture, in America right now, and in your own spiritual life, truth matters? Truth matters. Because I'm just going to straight up with you. Your culture is being led by a liar right now. No, 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 no. And don't just say, I tell you, that's right for them young people. I'm telling you, senior citizens, the culture you're in was being led by a liar too. Led by a liar. And let me tell you who it is. That liar is Satan himself. And how do I know it? Because I'm going to defer to the wisdom of the Lord Jesus Christ. The word of God says in John 8, 4, 8, 8, 8, 8, 4 it says, when he lies, he's speaking of Satan. When he lies, <laughs> ready for this? He speaks his native language. For he is a liar and he is the father. So that means that he's birthing other people to lie. He says he is a liar. That's his native language. And he's the father of lies. So you may tell you how you know when Satan's lying. When he's moving his lips. Anytime he talks to me, I got to know what I'm hearing is a lie from the enemy. He's lying all the time. So if you're in this room today and you think, those people are so good, Jesus would never accept me, and I'm such a sinner, he would never give me. If this people knew and they put my life on that screen, they wouldn't even want me in this building. So God must not want me either. I'm going to tell you, that is a lie from the voice of Satan. So anything he says, here's what I'm going to tell you. Believe the opposite of what he says. So if he says you can't be forgiven, can I tell you, you can be forgiven if you'll receive Jesus by faith. I don't care what's happened in your life. He says, God won't heal. God is still a healer. 
Anything. God won't prosper me. God will prosper you. God won't promote me. God will promote you. Anything you hear from Satan, just believe the reverse of it. Because how many know he is the truth and the truth he gives you will absolutely set you at liberty. But you're being led in a culture by a liar. And he's deceiving many. In fact, Romans chapter 1, verse 25, read that whole chapter. He has simply gone to the whole place where Satan has actually said so many lies that we have exchanged the truth, the Bible says, for a lie, Paul said. So how do I know when I'm being like Satan, your pastor? How do I know when Sam Rifle's being like Satan? I'll tell you when. We are never more like Satan than when we lie or we live the lie. We are never more like him. When anywhere there is deceit or cover-up in any issue, that is when we are more like Satan than at any point because he's the father of lies. Because the bottom line is, this I said, truth matters because if you listen to the lie long enough, you will believe the lie. And you will not only believe the lie, but then you will live the lie. And in fact, what happens, you end up becoming the liar himself. He becomes the father and produces a child that is another liar. So if you listen to lies, he says, Agar's saying, keep it from me, God. If I press into wisdom, I can only know it's truth by pressing more into truth than I can identify what is a lie. Amen. Amen. So if I keep listening to that lie, I will start believing that lie. Then I myself will live the lie, and I myself will become a liar. And you say, oh, I just don't believe that. Look at the culture we're in. Look what's happening all around you where people are actually believing the lie, living the lie, and now declare the lie, and then I'm a hater if I don't buy and play along with your lie. I can't even civilly disagree with you. I can't even tell you you're wrong. Here's what the word says. And then you got to put me because you become so, we become such tribalism that we can never have community, and now we totally cascade you. You are totally out of there. Listen, I'm sorry, friends, but we cannot pick and choose as Jesus followers who we get to love and who we get to serve. We don't get to pick. We don't get to pick. But man, I'm telling you, you're living in a culture right now that if I don't buy into your lie and I don't succumb to your lie, then I'm a hater and I'm the liar. And Ager said, Father, you've got to help me because I don't see it. Would you please guard me from the falsehoods that come to me about what you say about me, what you say about my kids, what you say about my body, what you say about my marriage, what you say about my family, what you say about my culture. Father, would you press me so deep into who you are and your truth and let the God who can orchestrate this whole universe be the God that is allowed to manage my little finite life. Oh my goodness. How are we doing everybody? So, you know, I thought we were talking about discontentment, not lying. Hold on a second. I told you I'm going to find the driveway, I promise. Discontentment. Discontentment, it was what led to the first sin. And Satan twisted the truth by hearing the lie, start to believe the lie, live the lie, and now you start lying. It happened at the first sin. And discontentment was connected to a lie. Stay with me. I talk fast and loud when I excite. I talk slow when I educate. So listen closely to this. The essence of sin, listen closely. The essence of sin is judging 
the goodness of God. That somehow God is holding out on me, therefore I cannot trust what he has given or what he has taken away. Are you listening to me? We start judging the goodness of God and that is the essence of the first sin and it was based on discontentment. God is not good enough to you. You've got to go grab what you need to grab because you know better than the God that orchestrates the whole universe. So what Satan does is he takes our focus off of God's provision and shifts it to God's prohibition. Eve, watch this. Eve exaggerated the demands of God's word. She exaggerated it. She wasn't supposed to eat it, but she says we can't even touch it. And she looked with new eyes at the forbidden fruit when she started exaggerating what God said. She had a LASIK event that now saw the forbidden as good. And she never looked at that tree as a source of good. She never looked at the tree of good and evil as a source of good until she doubted the goodness of what God had already provided. How many of you still with me? Huh? How we, do we need to open a coffee shop here? Come on, how many of you still with me? All right. She never looked at it. And this is every, every single human being, including your pastor, has her eyes. That somehow I doubt the goodness of God. Now I see what is forbidden as good for me. Agar said, God, I'm going to let you tell me what is good and not good for me. This is why he's hungry for it. See, don't, don't you see? Don't you see how your eyes can see good things, see things as good that may not be good for you? That is what he did. It was a lie that led to discontentment that God is not fair, that God is not good. And that's why Agur says, I want your truth is above all because you are the creator of all things. So you're the one that knows don't give me too much. Don't give me too little. I don't want to dishonor you. I don't want to walk away from God. You know best. I'm deferring to you. Wow. This is the reason why when you hunger for God's truth, you will properly handle God's treasures. Everything. The treasure of your life, the treasure of your vehicle, the treasure of your money in the bank account, the treasure of your spouse, the treasure of your relationships. You will treasure You will put it all through the grid of God's truth. Then I can handle each one of these properly. <sighs> okay. I only got two points. I promise just two points. It'll help you. So number one, what do we got to do? Hunger for truth. Can you say that with me? Hunger for truth. Okay. So how do I get my focus back? Pastor, how do I get my focus back to what God has provided and the blessings of God instead of looking at what I don't have? How, how do I do that? This is what Eve did. She had a whole garden, and all she could focus on was this one thing that God wasn't good, and she saw it desirable when she questioned God's goodness, when he'd given her the whole garden, and she just couldn't get that one thing, and he couldn't get that one thing, all right? So what do I need to do to keep it that way? You need to have a heart of thanksgiving. 
you need to be, you need to start praising God more. You need to start thanking him no matter what. I just think we whine way too much. I'm sorry. I whine, I whine way too much. You whine way too much. Do we just whine too much? Whine too much. You all know what I'm talking about. It happened this morning. You walked in your closet. It's completely full of clothes. And you say, I got nothing to wear. Right? You, you drove in a car. Your car was fine until you compared it to somebody else's Benz. Sure, yours has got 116,000 miles. Sure, it's blowing blue smoke and the city wants to hire you to kill all the mosquitoes in the neighborhood. Sure, it's got a little rust on it. But you despise that car more now that you just compared it to somebody else, what they're driving. Well, they've got the same job I do. They've got a better car than me. Listen, you're wealthy. 91% of the world's population does not have a car. You are fortunate to be one of the 9% that has a rust bucket that'll get you across town. We whine way too much. We're going to go. We're going to go home after service, open up the full refrigerator and go, there ain't nothing to eat in this house. You're going to go to your four televisions in your house that have over 100 channels. Of, there ain't nothing on TV anymore. I'm just telling you, some people and some believers just live in never, never land. Never happy, never satisfied, never content. Never, 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 never. Come on, friends. I believe as we get closer to the return of Jesus Christ, the people of God will be the most grateful, thankful, encouraging, worshiping people on the planet Earth, no matter how much or how little you have. Amen? How many want to be content? Don't suck into lies. Like somehow you're missing something and I'm going to do it my way. It will destroy you. You'll either get too close or too far away. Give me what's just right, God. You're the wisdom. Now watch this. When it comes to a heart of thanksgiving and you want contentment, you have to cultivate contentment. Now let me tell you something contentment is. I'm going to give you my definition of it. You can make your own, but I think mine's pretty decent. But contentment is not lacking ambition. It's not laziness. It's not apathy. I know some people cloak contentment in that, and they just don't want to get motivated. I get it. But that's not what contentment is. The best way I can describe contentment for me is contentment is rejoicing for what I possess rather than resenting for what I don't. Whether I once possessed it and it's no longer mine, or what I have is not good enough compared to yours. So this is what I want to show you about cultivating contentment. Let's go to the words of the Apostle Paul, one under the Holy Spirit, he wrote to the church in Philippi, and he says this in Philippians 4.11. He says, for I have learned. Can you say those three words? For I have learned <laughs> to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. Next three words, say it with me again. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it's with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little. I have learned twice, he says. I have to learn to be content. Uh, uh, let me just say, say something. I just love our precious grandson, Sage. Beautiful, beautiful boy. Smiles big. Uh, 13 months old. And... Uh, I think I was forced because no one else was there to change a diaper one time, and uh, I'll never be the same. I just, I, neither will my nose, but I, 
Brenda has changed a lot of diapers. His mama and daddy have changed a lot of diapers. And he's 13 months old. And can I tell you something? Not once did he look up at his grandparents or parents and said, thank you. <laughs> Not once. I'm waiting for one. Something. Come on. Muchos gracias. Much obliged. Thank you well. Some language. Give it to me. Babble something out for crying out loud. Changed his stinky diapers and not once has he said thank you to me. You know why? Because he's immature. The more a person matures and grows up in God, the more grateful they are for anything God sends their way. Babies just don't say thank you. So quit waiting and quit praying for it like I did. It's not happening. So what does this mean? How do I cultivate this, Pastor? I'm just going to just zero on this one thing. Don't suck into the lies in any realm of your life, especially in our culture. Do not suck into the lie, and you don't have to live the lie and agree with the lie. Listen, if you want true contentment, you need to start praising God for what he has given you, what you have right now. Blessed be the Lord, psalmist said. Blessed be the Lord who daily loads us with benefits, the God of our salvation. <laughs> so what I'm simply trying to say is what worship does is it takes you off the focus of what you don't have in your marriage, what you don't have with your kids, what you don't have in your finances, what you don't have in your physical body, what you don't have relationship. Start praising God because it takes the focus off the one thing you think is not right and not the goodness of God and puts the blessing on everything that he has provided me already. Man, have we bred discontent in our country? Oh my goodness, I don't even want to watch HGTV anymore. Have you watched House Hunters lately? Well, I want a house with an open concept. I want real wood floors. I don't want granite. I'm not a fan. I'm not a fan. I want quartz tops. I want shaker cabinets. I want nah, 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 nah. What's your budget? $20. <laughs> Have you watched it and just want to go reach for the TV and just go, pow, 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 pow. You know, you just want to, are you with me? Am I lying? That, okay, forgive me. That's not the wisdom of God, but I won't do it. Praise God for what you have. My goodness, we're living. There are three groups that exist. It's the haves, the have-nots, and the have-not paid for what they haves. And it's all bred by this lie that somehow you're not successful, you're not happy, you're not somebody, and we grab for more, we grab for more, and we have less joy. We got more of this, but we have less joy, less peace, less contentment. Thank God for the everyday simple things that he has given you. I know some people, listen, some people, some people may go to the Amway Grand and go eat Ruth Chris and you got to go through the Taco Bell at, at, and get you a Supreme Burrito. 
I wish I could eat better like I, why can they go there? No, no, thank God that you're one of the people that actually has food because two-thirds of the world's going to bed hungry and 17 people starve to death every single minute around the world because they don't have food. Thank God for that. Thank God that you have a drink of water. You can go out there and just get a drink free. We won't even charge you. We should. <laughs> Only 3% of the water in this world is fit to drink. Most of it's in America. Thank God. Would you just praise God for something and knock it off? Go get in your junk car and go through the drive-thru at Taco Bell and praise God with that burrito in your hand. Seriously, thank God for the provision. So much smoke out there. <coughs> Canadians. <coughs> thank God you got air. Would you quit bellyaching about your last church and thank God for the church you have? Stop belly aching about this church and thank God for what you have. We're not perfect. We're trying to grow. We're doing our best. We're still going to quit belly aching. Button it up. Grow up. Did I mention that my 13-month-old grandson doesn't say thank you? Did I already do that point? I knew I did. Stop belly aching about your spouse. Knock it off. Seriously, I'm not, trying, I'm, I'm not trying to tell you to ignore things you need to talk about. That's not what I'm saying. But come to the place where you start thanking God for the good things. Listen, if, they, if he picks up his underwear, would you just have a Jericho march around your house, wear the carpet down to the burlap, turn up Maverick City, and praise God he picked up his raunchy underwear. Try to find something to praise God. Praise God for your wife. Yeah, but she's always nagging me. She's always pushing me. No, she's not nagging. She's just very, very helpful. Right, Brenda? Very helpful. Amen. That's right. It wouldn't get done if she didn't push me. Because here's what's going to happen. If you start belly aching about your spouse over and over and over and over again, you will think the goodness of God is withheld from you with your spouse and you will start looking for something else in the garden that you think is good to eat and you're going to try to eat it. Thank God for your job. Thank God for your church. Thank God for the breath. Thank God you got health. Thank God you got clothes on your body. Lord, we don't even need to have praise and worship. We don't even need the LEDs. We don't even need to hit a high C and everybody goes, oh, praise God, that's beautiful worship. You ought to just thank God you're sucking in air. You're in the house of God. You're saved. You're born again, and you're headed for heaven, and heaven is your home. You ought to just give God the highest praise for anything you can praise him for. Thank him for what you have. Thank him for what you have. Praise God for what he has given you, not for what you've lost. Some of us are going through loss, and it's painful loss, but brother, don't you dare forget all of the favor of God and blessing around you.
Thank God for what he's given you. Here's what I want us to do. I, here's what I want you to do. Here, I want you to do something for me. I just, this is an exercise. I want you to go to the, all of the GR First social media outlets today. I want you to do it today. And I want you just to put on there something you are thankful for to get your focus off what you're going through and to get thankful for what God has truly given you. And you watch the environment start changing around you, the spiritual life. You watch your own heart begin to change in contentment. Get on there. Post anything you're thankful for. Instagram, anything. Just start posting. Just let it fly out there. Get it into the atmosphere. And let's start thanking God for what he's given us. You want to cultivate contentment? You got to have a heart full of thanksgiving. Not only thanking him for what he has given you, but praise him for praise him in all you're going through. Praise him in all you're going through. Now, I don't praise him for the things that the enemy might try to do to leverage to destroy my faith. But I'm not about to give the devil one up. I'm going to praise him in all these things I'm going through. I'm going to praise him. I'm going to praise him. He may be attacking my faith, but my faith is still intact. And I'm going to tell you why by and large. Because I refuse to give the enemy one up. I will continue to praise God on the mountain, in the valley, in loss, and in gain. I'm going to praise Him. In all of it. Watch, you'll cultivate gratitude. You'll cultivate contentment. I like 1 Thessalonians. Chapter 5, verse 16. Always be joyful. Never stop praying. Be thankful in A-double-L. Can you say the word? Circumstances. For this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. I may not know the will of God for your next decision you need to do, but I know beyond the shadow that I know the will of God for you in this instance. I, you don't have a question. I know the will of God for you in this instance. Whatever hell you're being drugged through or whatever mountaintop of promotion you're on, in all those circumstances, you give him the praise because it is the will of God concerning you. The God that doesn't let you get torched by the sun or freeze to death where you have no existence and are destroyed is the God that knows how to manage your life just right. If you want to get to a place of contentment, then you get in his presence. I love Psalm 100 verse 4. It says, enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name. I see people say, I just want to get in the presence of the Lord. I want to get in the presence of the Lord. But you know why we can't get in the presence of the Lord? Because you got to go first through the door of thanksgiving. And then you can enter his courts. The access to the presence of God is to say, I'm going to enter into the presence of God. And I'm going to enter through the door of thanksgiving. And when you start doing that, you get in his presence. And when you get in his presence, that's enough. There's not another thing on this planet that'll make you more satisfied. There's not a thing in this world that's taken from you that can pull you away from it. Because in the presence of the Lord, the psalmist said, there is fullness of joy. 
and at his right hand, pleasures forevermore. How many of you want that presence as you walk through the door of Thanksgiving? You'll find contentment in it's him. Amen.